feeling a little jittery. Sherelle. Got it. Sherelle. Sherelle is Dimple. Dimple is Sherelle. So, um, yeah, let me make sure my interviewee is coming on today real quick, and then I'll update you guys on what's been going on. So, like, every morning, I've mentioned this before, I either exercise do some type of physical activity, and then I join my friends' lives on Instagram, and so uh, my friend Payne does one, and my friend Chi-Chi does one in the morning. You can find their schedule on my uh, page, right? So this morning, I did both of their lives, but in Chi-Chi's, uh, she had 
this girl or this woman on there, she's 21, I believe, her name was Nana, and she was sharing her story about um, an instance where she was raped by her partner. And um, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because of what's going on with the moon, being in Scorpio or whatever, but uh, it was very triggering for me. Um, In the past, I caught the last end of it. Yeah, and you know, it was interesting. I feel like I've heard people give their testimony before, but for some reason with her, it just seemed so authentic and um, heartfelt, you know, and I can tell she was coming from a genuine place and not like an angry place. I could tell that she was full of grace. I could tell that she had a deep level of understanding of her trauma, and um, I'm all about that. So when I was listening to her, I, I often feel exactly very genuine. I often feel sometimes victimized or attacked when people are able to speak so eloquently or deeply about their traumas or things that I haven't really um, expressed or solved or whatever yet for myself because I really value that deep level understanding and I think it's one of my talents so like when I'm faced with a challenge is this still recording? So when I'm faced with a challenge, um, dang it, I hope I recorded or whatever. When I'm, when I'm faced with a challenge such or a trauma such as, as, you know, deep as that one, um, I get a little scared to dig into it, um, for myself, but her testimony was very inspiring and, um, I started crying in my house during the live, but like, not like ooh one tear but like actual sobbing you know and um it was because i i've experienced being raped like many women but i had never cried for myself i had never like i talked about it i told my father i but i it was very surface level and i kind of just shoved it down inside for i feel like it's been like almost four or five years now And, um, I don't want to continue to allow, hi Mooney, yeah, I don't, I don't want to continue to allow, um, that person to take my power, and, um, I think tomorrow I'm going to talk a little bit more about the situation on Chi Chi's live, but basically, after hearing her, um, that was the first time I was able to truly cry, and, and completely feel that I, that what happened to me mattered. Um, she mentioned that she pressed charges on her offender, on the guy, and I never pressed charges, mostly because I felt like immediately after, I could tell that this dude um, wasn't all the way there. Like, and I didn't feel like putting him in him, putting him or I guess pressing charges wouldn't help the situation. Like I was listening. Hi, Remy. I was listening to a um, a few sermons today by Michael Todd. What's up? Um, about grace, 
and he says something to the to the fact of like God doesn't want to punish you he wants you to change and not to like play God or whatever but I felt the same way towards this young man like I didn't want to punish him for what he did to me I I but I do want him to change but I haven't been doing anything to promote that change therefore like kind of denying change within myself like um I still carried that guilt around um I still to a certain extent felt like my sexuality didn't really matter so it was just a lot and when she was talking about it it all came rushing back so hopefully tomorrow um I'll be on Chi Chi's live at like 10 and we can discuss it because I'm still processing everything a little bit and really trying to better understand grace and better understand trust and knowing that no matter what has happened to me in my past, I am more. And no matter what will happen in my future, um, I'm not defined by those things. I'm, I'm simply me. I'm simply, you know, God's kid or whatever. Hi, Miles. Hello, Bandro Bands. Um, feel free to introduce yourself because I don't know your name besides Bandro Bands. <laughs> Learning names today. Um, what's up, Janelle? How's your day? I hope it is Wednesday because I stay until 3 in the morning. It turns out it's actually Thursday. Today is Thursday. <laughs> and today is technically my Friday because I don't have to work tomorrow. Woohoo! Woohoo! So I get to stay up until 5 a.m. today if I choose. Okay, so let's get into these notes. Oh, I never even hit up. Let me just send it to him. Excuse me for a quick second. Okay. Everybody send send my life to um Mr. Payne, please. Um okay, so since you know this podcast is really about writing and scripting, I'm gonna read a little bit of what I wrote this morning after or before, I can't really remember, the meditation this morning. So without further ado, sometimes when things are going so well, my ego reaches for more instead of accepting what she has already been given because she's afraid of it leaving her let's remember that feelings are fleeting and attachments bring pain i love you so much and you are taken care of yes the highs feel good but feelings are not what's important you are what is important and the value you hold is what matters i love you so much you are no less deserving of feeling great don't confuse my initial message you are not forgotten and tenfully address your shadow self. Okay, so hello, hello, hello. So um, that's interesting that I I told myself that I mattered this morning before I even had my little crying fit. Oh, one more thing to note about that is that when I was sobbing about my trauma, my dad um, came over and gave me this cute little this cute little bracelet thingy. Oh, you joined. <laughs> um, and I wanted him to know that I was crying, so I opened the door. But then I instantly felt this need to be strong because he has, or rather I have served for his strength a lot in my life. Um, 
So I decided to go in my room and just continue to release what I was feeling. Then I came back and we kind of talked about the situation and stuff. And um, I, I guess I kind of assumed that I wasn't supported because I felt like he was trying to distract me from what I was feeling. And um, I would really appreciate it if we opened a window instead. I, and that is my fault because I spilled oil and I didn't clean it. I was asking you to open the window instead of the fan and that it was my fault because I forgot to clean the oil that spilled. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I assumed that he wasn't really, you know, trying to hear my story or whatever because I really want to sit with my emotions and feel them completely. And my dad is the type of person that is kind of like, let's just laugh about it, which I totally understand and appreciate. Um, but I really wanted to make sure that what I was feeling was valid and essentially complete. So I told him that I wanted to talk about it a little more. And um, he asked me why I didn't press charges. And I told him it felt like at that time that it didn't matter and that caused me to shed more tears because I was like Ariel what headspace were you in to feel like you didn't matter in that situation um and the answer is an unhealthy one and um I think my my tears and that release kind of represented me forgiving myself for that mind state and um yeah I'm like I said I'm still processing it or whatever so whew, it's so much you know I feel like a lot of women go through these things but a, not a lot of them talk about it one and we don't really explore the damage like the long-term damage that it does to you like after that happened, I kind of really didn't value sex as much as I did before. Like, I just felt like if a dude wanted to have sex, he was going to. So why even try to like make it a big deal? And um, I ended up having sex with more people than I wished that I did. But um, I was thinking about that today and how like, Sometimes I feel guilty for my body count, even though I fundamentally know that it's not a problem. Um, so I started talking to my roommate Elle about it, and she was like, have you watched Grace Like a Flood uh, by Mike Todd? And um, I watched like four of them because I hadn't really investigated it. So I'm just going to read through or like scan through some of the notes, and if you you know, resonate with any of it. I would love to hear your feedback or just like a double tap. It doesn't matter. Um, let's see. Oh, and then I was also reading this book called Claim Your Power. But it wasn't as on point as Mike Todd for this, for these purposes. Where did it start? Let's see. Okay.
Are you performance oriented or perfection driven? That's a question that Mike Todd proposed, basically meaning, are you trying to put on a show for people or are you being authentic with yourself? And he was talking about how you don't have to work for grace because it's already given to you. Um, and we don't deserve it. Does grace empower you or is it unmerited kindness favor okay so basically i was just writing the definition of grace so the definition of grace that he gave hi katia is that grace is unmerited kindness undeserved and unearned and it's the favor of god so we get it just by existing and i think when i think back to moments where I feel like I should regret something or I should be shameful of it. Those are moments where I don't, I'm not acknowledging the grace that I already have, essentially. So you, you don't earn grace, it's not by your works. He was saying that no one can save themselves. I think this concept is interesting because I've had talks with people who really don't like, Grace is the place. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've, I've talked to people who struggle with the idea that they need saving. But for me, it's like, yes, we are responsible for our actions here on earth. But even if it wasn't Jesus who did the saving, like even if you didn't believe that he died on the cross or whatever, you can't really make it in life by yourself. Like no one is an island. So in that aspect, essentially the people around you have saved you, you know, and if, and if you are on a complete island, then you have to depend on the earth to save you. Like we are humans. We can't survive this planet without consuming something, without being saved by something. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, he also talked about trust. So I, anytime I hear a word about or a message about trust, I just write down the word trust because it's something that I'm continually working on, is building it with myself and then hopefully expanding that trust to others because that has been a common challenge or denominator in my life of like, okay, I understand you, but that doesn't mean you're not gonna hurt me and me being afraid of that hurt leads to distrust, da 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 da. But let's continue. Are we f still feeling someone Hold on, let me read these before I say them out loud. Okay, he was he was asking, are we still feeling that in some area of our life we still need to work for what we want or work to be saved essentially? And I feel like for me, I'm gonna say I feel like a lot because I can only speak for Hi! They got my best friend, y'all. Thing I can't type because I'm going to get distracted. But anyway, so I feel like for me, when it comes to um, certain areas where I feel like uh, I'm trying to take responsibility or I'm trying to work for something that I know I don't deserve is like in the area of money and the area of scholarship. So I feel like to, to exp I need to stop saying that now it's becoming annoying. Um, so in the areas of scholarship, for example, I have this desire of opening my own gallery and I've convinced myself that in order to do that, I need to prove that I know what I'm doing 
I need to prove that I know what I'm doing by like earning enough degrees to be merited grants and awards and to have access to people in higher places, da 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 da. But it's like, if that is a part of my path, it's going to happen. And yes, I need to work for it, but not, I don't have to prove myself. I need to be doing it because that's what my heart wants to do, not because. You know, I want to be Dr. Collier in the future. It has to be like a genuine pursuit. And sometimes I get caught up in like the accolades of others through comparison. And I think about some of my mentors who have doctorate degrees and their expertise and their ability to get $60,000 grants and stuff like that. And I'm like, dang, I came from, you know, the hood of Orlando. Um, somehow made it to college, somehow made it into grad school, and I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to continue that pursuit and efforts to feel good enough, and that goes into, you know, um, what's it called? What's it called? It starts with a P. Hi, Zane. It's a syndrome. Do you know what I'm, I'm trying to think of, Janelle? Imposter syndrome, there we go. Thank you for your energy. Janelle's making some bun in right now. They oh. smell really good. I was just letting them know that you're cooking and it's a little just, it smells good, like I'm kind of hungry. There we go, thank you, Mouse. Imposter syndrome, yes. And, um, if you think about that as a symptom, right? Imposter syndrome, that's, you're telling yourself that you don't belong. I was typing that when you said it. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. Um, Keep losing my train of thought. Maybe I need to take a breath. I think sometimes when more people join, even though I want more people to join, right? I get a tiny bit nervous, like a tiny, like, like, oh shit, people are actually listening to me, but it's fine. Um, so yeah, imposter syndrome is essentially telling yourself that you don't belong somewhere, which goes directly against what is true. Like, if you weren't supposed to be on Earth, you would be dead. So obviously, you're justified or whatever. So let's continue. I think I covered that a lot. Let's see. I wrote down, he's prepared to take care of my stupid mistakes. Jesus paid for them with his life. So even if you don't believe in God or Jesus or whatever, I think sometimes it gets kind of hard to believe that the stupid mistakes we made in the past are in the past now and they're not affecting you because when we remember them or when they're triggered it almost feels like they're happening again and that can place us in a survival mode of like fight or flight and when I get in that space where I'm basically either trying to escape my mind or fight my mind sometimes I forget that like it was in the past and it's over and I've done the work and I'm doing the work to change whatever caused that behavior in the first place. So if I were to put in an example of like what I was talking about before with the whole 
rape situation and then me kind of devaluing sex or whatever like I value sex now so hi Chi Chi I value sex now so I don't have to continue to berate myself about the interpreted mistakes that I made in the past like in those moments I'm going to practice forgiving myself and understanding that I'm already forgiven I'm actively you know doing things differently like I'm not stuck in that same pattern so there's no reason for me to continue to punish myself right now Chichi I'm just going over some notes about um some extra learning that I did after your live and my little sobbing moment right like that really kind of brought light to some things that I haven't dealt with and tomorrow I hope that you will have me on your live um to kind of explain what that was like uh being triggered by that and kind of like really experiencing and feeling grace for myself so after that video I talked to my dad a little bit I talked to my roommate she told me to watch this series called grace like a flood took notes so now we're here so we're talking about grace and how it's already given to us, so we should just give it to ourselves. Um, it says that grace is inevitable. And when he said when he said that grace is inevitable, oops. I kinda looked up like the twelve universal principles because or the twelve universal laws, because I like to attach, you know, the Bible and Christian beliefs to other beliefs to kind of like double whammy, if that makes sense. Like some, I struggle sometimes with just, you know, blindly believing what pastors say. So I, I try to find, are they really hot? <laughs> um, oh, this is very hot. What the fuck? <laughs> thank you though so I try to find other beliefs or other practices or other understandings that will kind of reaffirm what the, the pastor or the mentor is telling me and um, I learned a little bit about the law of universal compensation and the law of perpetual transmutation so I think the law of perpetual transmutation is most synonymous with grace because it's basically about how everything is continuing to evolve. Like you are constantly moving forward. You can't stop your evolution. You can't stop the evolution of the world. Like the only thing that is certain is change basically. And so when I thought about it in terms of grace and how sometimes I forget, you know, to, to show myself grace doesn't mean in that moment that I don't have it because it's constantly there because just like everything is changing I am also changing so therefore I have grace I hope that makes sense if it makes sense throw some thumbs up some some hearts or whatever I'll just continue down my notes also if somebody wants to send this thank you Janelle to Payne he's supposed to be on my interview today but he might have forgot he's a busy person but I really wanted to share this with you guys anyway. I'm just gonna send him a quick, uh, oh, I got some hearts. Um, 
Where you at? Okay. Immutability. The inability to change. Anchor. Universal. He was, that was his definition of God. Like, so earlier when I, when I mentioned the law of perpetual transmutation. So these universal principles to me kind of represent the characteristics of what Christians and other religions call God, right? And Mike Todd was telling us how God is unable to change. And what made me kind of kind of like believe that it was confirmation of what I just learned about perpetual change is that like the only thing that doesn't change is change. So it's like a uh there's a word for it in English in um in literature, but I can't remember it right now. Maybe Miles will be able to help me, but it's like ooh, kind of proof that what I was reading is factual. Like if the only thing that can change or the only thing that we can count on is change, that is essentially what God is. A paradox. Thank you, Janelle. What would I do without you guys? You guys are so much smarter than me, honestly. I'm just chilling on these lives, honestly. Um, let's see what else we have here. All we can do is receive. That was powerful to me when he said that because I've been working a lot on receiving. And even my friend Mooney is teaching us mudras of receiving, like holding your hands when you meditate. And I and I learned recently that it is very easy for me to give to others. I mean, I, I think I kind of always knew this, but I kind of recently realized how much it was affecting me. Hi, Jaleel. Um, always pouring into others and not really attracting people who can pour into me was a common denominator. So when he said, all we can do is receive, I really resonated with that because... Um, even though I'm working on it, it is still a bit challenging, I would say. Um, because, you know, you can have a, a knowing, right? And then you can understand it. And then you have to be obedient. And then you have to apply it. So I think I'm in the obedient stage right now of, like, being aware of those moments where I know that I'm pouring a lot more into others than they are into me. And the next step is to speak on it and act on it. So pray for me when it comes to that. Oh, this one's really cool. God is not holding you to the standards you hold others to or yourself to. I'm going to repeat that. God is not holding you to the standards that you hold others to or yourself to. So... I'm going to continue to tie it back to the whole body count thing because that's what I've been struggling today or struggling with today. So like I was raised in a in a household that was pretty religious up until my parents got divorced and my dad kind of stopped going to church and I lived with him mostly and my mom continued. But like they both kind of um really didn't explain much about the opposite sex like boys to me their advice was like don't mess with them don't talk to them don't have them over the house da, 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 da. like it was just a, a hard no right 
And so I was expected to basically not have interest in boys or girls um, and to not be honest or vocal about who I liked or what I was interested in, da-da-da-da. And so the standard for myself was to basically have no sex until, bloop, that part's relatable very much though. Cool. Um, The standard for myself was to be celibate until marriage, right? And as I started to get older and my friends were having sex, my friends were having sex in like the bathroom in high school and the staircases. And I'm like, okay, I don't wanna do that. But I do want this experience, like, why do I have to wait until marriage, you know? Like, my other friends were going to church, and their parents were, you know, loving the Lord as well, but they didn't seem to be listening like I was listening or whatever. So one day I decided um, that I was going to get me a boyfriend, so I manifested me a boyfriend, and we went to prom, did the thing, right? And so after that, experience I felt a little bit accomplished but then we broke up and then I lost my mind a little bit and then I started to kind of have this chain reaction of like very toxic unhealthy relationships with dudes and that was around the time where the whole rape situation happened and I completely devalued sex like I was in a mode where that it didn't mean anything to me like it was like, it was like you ever had a craving for donuts, and you just go get donuts even though you, it wasn't good for you. That's how it was for Dick. Like if I if I craved Dick, I was gonna go get some Dick and then go home and go about my day, right? And that and it was like that for my I would say my freshman and my sophomore year of college. Um, and then once I you know realized that. It was empty and I was trying to fill a void. Um, I started to, I, I didn't really know how to stop necessarily, but I knew I wanted it to be better. So I started trying to have relationships with dudes. Still, you know, oblivious and, na- and naive of like the, the not the proper way, but like the, the healthier way of like building a friendship, da, da 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 And so I would try to, I was attracting these dudes that um, needed somebody to pour into them because for whatever reason they weren't pouring into themselves and we would have like these play relationships that lasted like two months three months maybe and then sometimes you know dudes from my past would come back into my life and it was just this very unhealthy cycle just going over and over again and and really until I um, basically stopped having sex um, it dawned on me that like wow you was doing it wrong that entire time but I now see that those situations were just what I needed like I wasn't going to learn how to do or how to love myself within relationships without those experiences like I just had to accept that those stories are just a part of my story now but they are not who I am right and so to tie it back to the whole Um, God is not holding you to the standards you hold others to during this season of like celibacy and stuff I often feel like there's a goal at the end like I'm I might as well you know save it till marriage or whatever but 
although you know that's what's written in the Bible, um, that doesn't necessarily have to be my path. Like I've already, you know, essentially messed up or whatever, and um, it's already forgiven because of God's grace. And because of the grace that I continually give myself, um, so I don't have to pretend that I'm perfect. I don't have to strain myself. Like I can allow things to flow naturally. Let me catch up on these comments. I didn't like boys on the record until I was 18. LOL. At least in my parents' eyes. <laughs> the learning process is painful. Yes, it is. And. Um, I think sometimes I attach to pain and I embody pain and I make pain and depression like my identity a little bit, but um, it's not cute. Like I don't enjoy it necessarily. I think that in those periods where I was doing that, I was kind of in love with the feeling of pity because pity and nurturing felt like some type of love like it felt like something to give myself but it's not you know the greatest experience to be constantly like killing yourself at night berating yourself like literally sometimes I would this is very vulnerable but sometimes I would lay in bed and just think of all the fucked up things about myself in order to get myself to cry to feel comforted like that is some next level depression, strange shit. But that's where I was. And I'm not there now necessarily. Like I don't cry myself to sleep, but when I do feel the need to cry, I do cry, but I, I'm not forcing it on myself. I'm not making it me or whatever. Um, and thank you all for, for joining. I know this is very touchy stuff, but you know, we we all have our, our story, so why should I not share my own? It's it's helping in some way. It says believe that God wants more wants to do more for you than you think you deserve. Believe that God wants to do more for you than you think you deserve. <laughs> this involves trust as well, because Another thing that I struggle with with this whole relationship mess or form or former mess is that like I've done so much dirt that sometimes I don't feel like I'm going to meet a person that's going to love me or I don't feel like you know a long-term relationship is realistic or like my soulmate is out there like it's a challenge to trust sometimes that you know I'm deserving of that but I have to continue to let those beliefs go and stand in the knowing that he wants greater like it's just just like the sun comes up every day you're supposed to evolve so it only makes sense to kind of like believe that and just by saying these things out loud, I'm affirming it. It's so beautiful outside, and we have, like, this really cool, cool view. Isn't it cute? Okay, anyway. 
your waiting is not in vain. I don't even feel like I'm waiting at this point. I'm just chilling. Um, let's see. Don't put yourself in debt. I guess that means like emotional debt. I guess that's kind of what I was doing at night when I would just, you know, attack myself, putting myself in debt. All right, that stops today. Hallelujah. I wrote down, he'll take you as you are. That's powerful. It's the affirmation. Let's see what else we have here. Also, Chi Chi, if you're still here and you want to, you know, say some words, I also extend the invite to my live. I love talking to people in here. It's really fun. Oh, the last video that I was watching was called Saved, and he kept highlighting the ED, um, and he talked about how God is the Alpha and Omega, and that he's eternal, and he wrote down on like this whiteboard past present future and under past he put was under present he put is and under future he put to come and at the end of it his point was in the past you have been traumatized right in the present you have the power to let go of that and not operate in quote unquote sin or whatever. And trust that in the future, there will be better to come. Um, and that's very basic. And he explained it a lot cooler and funnier than I just did right now. But I thought it was interesting how some how it's so easy to forget that like, just being is deserving of grace and is deserving of a better future and we just have to act on it so yeah those were my notes i did plan on having pain on here for an interview but since he's not responding which is fine i'm just going to answer his questions if i if i have an answer and just steal his his clout um Oh, one of the questions on here is, is Jesus or Horace black? So I'm asking you guys and myself. I believe that Jesus, it only makes sense. So like, I've heard theories about how the idea of Jesus or Jesus as a man was actually three people in history and they meshed all of his lives um, together in one story. But even if that's true and we're talking about like, you know, the past, it only makes sense that the original one was black because black people, I believe so. Cool, Mooney. Um, it only makes sense because the first people that ever walked the earth were black. So the maybe like later he got lighter, but yeah. Also, the story of Jesus was taken by, I think, either the Romans or the Greeks um, from Egypt and the artists during that time basically made the stories in their image and basically plagiarized you know and started to paint paintings of Jesus white because they were white so yeah that's how that went down another question I was going to ask him 
<laughs> did white people make Jesus in their image by accident or was it plotted? I feel like it depends on the artist. Um, art can be very political sometimes. So I think it could be both. This is a good question. What is unconditional love? Um, if you read about love in the Bible, it says like love is kind. Let me just find it really quick so I don't botch it. I think it's in Corinthians. And I, I go back to the Bible because in these times, you can find lots of definitions for anything, right, on the internet. But um, history is everlasting. How do you spell Colossians? Oh, is it Corinthians? Yeah, first. I think every culture makes whatever God they worship in their image. Oops. In their image. Would you worship a God you can't relate to? Exactly. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. We want to see God like us because if we couldn't, we wouldn't follow. Like, it just wouldn't make sense. It would be like a white person telling you not to put on lotion as a black person. Like, they're saying not to put on lotion because it doesn't really, you know, have that much of an effect on them. But us listening to that, we were like, what? Like, you want us to, what? So that makes sense. Have you ever done Bible study? No, I haven't. Um, I'm not sure how well received I would be to the Christian community, honestly. But I have thought about um, doing a B group for the church that I watch. And also, I'm very churchy today because I literally spent like four hours watching Transformation Church. So... Also, I'll be right back. I need to get my charge before my phone dies. Me either, but I'm curious about it. Yeah, the Bible is very interesting to me. Like, I don't necessarily consider myself a Christian. I do believe that Christ, you know, died for my sins. I think that is factual. Um, it was a symbolic, you know, representation of a sacrifice. I do think they slayed that nigga or whatever. Um, but I view the Bible as kind of a history book that is also a mixture of poetry and stories. And it's a lot to, like, dive into. Um but I don't believe that it's the only faith that is true. I don't necessarily believe that the God that they're talking about is different from the God of, you know, the Muslims and anybody else that believes in a higher being. I feel like we're all kind of talking about the same thing, but we, we hyper-focus on the differences in the stories and, and um, the fine print. I see the Bible as anything else. I see the Bible as anything else. Take what I need, leave what I don't. 
that's what most people do, I believe. Um, I think that it's impossible for the entire book to, to be applicable to your life in one moment. You know what I'm saying? But, okay, I found it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. So when I read this and I think about unconditional love and like what's kind of trending now of like love being, you know, not tied down to a person, um, love being uh, in a way detached, like love being a little bit fleeting from you, like you're just allowing the flow of it to come. I feel like this verse actually relates a lot to it because it says it doesn't envy it doesn't boast so if we were to think about it in the form of a relationship right and you love someone that is not necessarily quote-unquote yours because you can't ever own a person um and let's say this person goes out of your reach to accomplish their dreams or even be with another person it says love does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it's not rude so it's like it sounds like the aspects of love according to the bible is very humble and um i believe that's true so if you guys want to share what you believe love is that would be cool if not i'm going to continue to the next question do you believe truth is relative <laughs> i have an interesting answer for this i think that the only universal truth is that we are all experiencing truth relatively. <laughs> what just happened? Well said. Thank you. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to mess that one up. Okay. Um, is truth dependent on society? I think that truth... is sometimes dependent on the collective consciousness if we want to get that deep like let's say a large group of people agree that you shouldn't have or you shouldn't get married before you're 18 or if a older person has sex with a younger person then that's wrong then collectively we decided that that is the truth so um in a way it is pretty relative or dependent on society like in some cultures girls get married off at nine and that is their truth because that's how they live their life um so yeah i think it can be dependent on on the society that you're in if what if absolute truth only has the ability to okay i already said that do you think the bible is historically accurate um i think the bible has parts of it that's historically accurate. I think that as a whole, it represents the history of man and the way humanity kind of tries to mold things. Like it's very eye-opening to see how manipulative people can be and how power-hungry kings can be and, um, how poetic, like, I think it's just a true representation of the human experience, which 
is a loaded answer because I think the question is more so like, did Jesus die on December 25th, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, there's really no way to know that unless you experience it. So it's like, even science has errors. So I believe it's it's as historically accurate as it could be. Um, should everyone have their own personal Bible? I wrote these questions for somebody else, but these are really good questions. Um, so what I mean by that is, should everyone kind of like keep a log of their experience in life? And I think that that would be so cool, especially if you, you know, have kids and you want to pass down something. Essentially, your Bible would be your journal or whatever you put on the Internet or um, whatever you use to document. I think that would be very helpful for society as a whole if we all kind of like kept better track of the lessons that we've learned and keep it individualized because our specific experience has value and is different from um, many other people's. I also wanted to ask him what is curating. So before Rona hit, I was um, in my bag, actually. Uh, I had an art show at the City Arts Factory where I was um, teaching kids a little bit about studio art and then showcasing it um, to, a, to an audience to basically highlight their humanity as at-risk youth and as formerly incarcerated youth and um, I was going to have a solo show at the Mills Gallery but you know everything got shut down and um, I wanted to ask him about curating because I'm very, I'm very new to it but I know what it is it's basically using like you take an idea you take a concept you take something that a movement that you want to fight for and you find people that agree with you, you rally around it, you pitch ideas, you brainstorm, and then you showcase that idea in a way that gets your message across. So curating is not only just like, you know, taking pieces from a few artists and putting it into a gallery. It's like you can curate online, you can curate. People curate every day and not really realize that you can curate through writing. It's just really about molding experiences and thoughts and ideas into one thing to project to the world. That's my opinion of it. I'm sure he would say something like networking and I don't know, a bunch of other stuff. But that that is what curate, curating is to me. What roles do muse museums and galleries play in society in the past and in the future? So museums were built as a way for the elite to keep track of their... Oh, this is so like different from what I started talking off started talking about but anyway um museums were built in a way to collect tokens of war right um a poor person couldn't go to a museum because museums were usually in a house or somebody's palace essentially where um they were collecting they were holding their collection and then eventually I forgot the name of the dude, but somebody was like, this should be open to the public. So they collected all of their items of war that they, you know, gained through colonization and globalization. And they displayed it in an attempt to educate the public on what other cultures were like. But it kind of became like tokenism in a way. And then galleries are a little different. They're more so for the artists and for the purpose of selling and collecting cool things right um the second 
part of the question is uh, what roles do they play in society in the past and in the future so I kind of explained what they were in the past I think in the future it will be more centered around the community it will be similar to a podcast maybe if like people coming and sharing their stories and um, their artifacts and really getting the true narrative of themselves and the people that they relate to um, at least that's what I plan to create I think that's something that communities in the future will definitely need through after this experience of like kind of like being isolated in our homes like we're going to need a place to uniquely and authentically be ourselves because we can't help it at this point we've been sitting you know chilling learning more about ourselves, and I think we don't really at least for me and the people that I am around don't want to devalue who we are by pretending to be something we're not so I don't think regular um gatherings or what we deemed as regular gatherings where people are kind of like standoffish or fake are going to really have any value in the future so that's my opinion on that how do curators make money that's something that i'm still figuring out honestly i think they might make money by uh either getting hired as a curator to do certain events or you know becoming a collector themselves um and yeah that was most of the questions that i have for him and i'm getting to the to the last few minutes of the live but just to kind of like recap what we talked about today we talked about trauma sexual trauma specifically we talked we talked about how not solving it can affect you know the latter half of your life we talked about grace and we talked about unconditional love we talked about whether jesus was black um we talked about relative truth and curating so that was a very expansive episode i really appreciate you guys listening to me rant this is very therapeutic for me um and yeah i guess i'll see you guys tomorrow peace and love